Faith for Life Marion. And we just wanted to talk to you a little bit about what's happening and what we can expect in this next season. And most of all, appreciate the Lord for everything that he's done here. And I look out, and there are some of you that shouldn't be here today. I'm just going to be honest. I was really shocked to see uh, Tammy and, and Mark. They've been just struggling this week. Uh, but God's grace is sufficient. And the fact that I'm seeing you sit here today is living testimony that God's grace is sufficient. Tammy's not been feeling the greatest lately. Got a text from Mark. He was in the ER yesterday. I'm like, come on, dude. Um, and so, uh, but I'm so glad that you're here. God's, God's healing power is alive and well today. And I'm thankful yeah. for it. And then to see Mike and Stephanie, they were in the hospital yesterday with his mom. We had uh, emergency surgery yesterday. I know that was a tough surgery and probably tough even right now. And, and uh, I heard Mike say, if, if, if it weren't for being here today, we don't know that I'd make it today. And uh, I think some of us feel that way. And so um, we're thankful for you. We love you guys. And so all of you that make such a sacrifice to be with us every single week means the world to us. Um, you know, when I walked in today, I've gotten so many. Oh, okay, let me back up. If this is your first time, you're like, what is happening? <laughs> so today is the last day here on this property. We're moving to a new location because, as you can see, without growing our property. And so for this next season, we're going to be uh, a portable church. Um, at Riverbend Middle School, which means we'll set up every single week at a beautiful auditorium uh, that we can't wait for you to come and experience next Sunday. And then after we worship, we'll tear it all down. We've got a great relationship with the staff and the school there. Uh, we're feeding the entire staff on Friday morning at 7.45 and giving a gift to every teacher. Uh, so if anybody has some extra time on Friday morning and want to just love on some people, we'd love for you to come and be a part of that. But all week long, we've been getting texts and and emails from people who are who are just celebrating what God's done in, in their life here at, at this property. What are some of your favorites? So he asked me that this morning, and trying to narrow down like favorite memories in this building, it was like an impossible task. Um, Christmas Eve service, the very first Christmas Eve service that we had here. Um, this was a crazy idea that like you came up with. Like the day before Christmas, I think it was a Sunday, and you were like, we're going to have Christmas Eve service tomorrow night, and my family will be here, and if you'd like to come join us, please do so. And um, we didn't have any hospitality people. We didn't have any sound and light people. Yes, we did. Blair was hospitality. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we just assumed it would probably be the four of us, and that's all. I had more faith. I expected 12. I did not. I did not. My husband teaches me every day that I need more faith. Um, but we got here, and it was, the, the building was packed. It was ridiculous. And people kept coming up to us saying, can we help? We're like, no, we got it. It's going to be fine. And then finally it was like, yes, yeah. we need your help. And then you had five candles and everybody So that was an incredible night. Dedications like what we have here today, baptism services, um, impactful altar services. I will never forget praying with so many of you. And now to see years later what God did in that situation that we prayed about here. That's 
I'm also thankful I lightened up a little bit. Wow, you started to see uh, I'm thankful that it doesn't look the way we found it. Anybody remember what it looks like? You showed me a picture I sent. I don't think you can see it very well. This one looks better over here. Y'all, you just, it was purple carpet. You can't see it in the picture, but the carpet's purple. Like Barney purple carpet. <laughs> What's hilarious is um, we knew when we came into this place that we were going to have to renovate everything. They were big. Um, chandeliers and the ceiling was a different color and the walls were white and the floor was uh, purple. was purple and there was there was a weird banner somewhere over here and a lot of ficus tree lights. Anybody remembers that? Yeah. Right? So uh, I walked in and my dad was with me. I'll never forget that. We walked in and in my mind I'm already thinking we're gonna renovate everything. Everything's gonna be different. And my dad stood right in the middle of this is what my dad said. He said, Son, it's perfect. You don't have to do a thing. It looks but uh, but I'm thankful for you. And when I think about memories, I, I do share all of those memories with Marianne. But I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for you. And uh, Marianne said yesterday, and I was glad she said it because it was already on my radar. She said, honey, I don't think we can go any further tomorrow without just stopping and really giving God glory for the gift that this property has been to us. And I said, honey, I, I was feeling exactly the same way. And so here's what I want us to do in these next few moments. I want us to corporately pray um, a prayer of thanksgiving for everything that God has done here. And not just what he's done here, but to remember what a gift this property has been to us in the first place. For some of you who don't remember the story, this property was gifted to us. And I don't mean it, I don't mean it as a gift from God. I mean truly God gave us. This property, so eight acres, uh, the value of over a million dollars on this property was given to us debt free, like handed us the keys to the building. We didn't have to pay a dime for that uh, six years ago. We've done a lot of things and we've built a building and we've, we've, we've tried to be great stewards of that gift. But I don't ever want us to forget what a miracle of God, uh, of provision that that was. And now all that we are able to do in the future is building on the miracle uh, that God has already done. But not just that, the people that actually did pay the price. Yeah, Those right. people that were here in that amazing church that God used to bless this church. Right. Right. I mean, it's just, um, it's overwhelming to think about it. It truly is overwhelming to think about the blessing that God entrusted with us. So right now, I don't know, just like we've done, you've reminisced and you've thought about some things that, that you'll miss about kind of this place. I want us to be thankful for those things as we go into this next chapter. But I also want us to really be super grateful and thankful to God for what he's done um, as a result of this place. Can we just pray that together in your own words, in your own way? Father, I thank you um, for this. I thank you for this gift. Um, every time I see it, I'm overwhelmed at how good you've been to our church over the past 12 years. And you have entrusted us with a mission to be faithful to the lifelong followers of you to raise up a group of people that will pass through this city. And I'm thankful for every person who has, who has given their heart in this place. I'm thankful for every person who has, has found a relationship with the body of Christ and with you in this place. God, I'm thankful for every person who's going public with their profession of faith through baptism. God, every child who has learned, who has discipled, every adult who has experienced you, been empowered by your spirit and walking in freedom. Lord, there is so much for us to be thankful for, and we thank you for the gift, the miracle, the 
this property has been to us. And now as we walk into this next chapter, as we walk into this next season, as you lead us into that, Lord, I pray that we would be just as faithful in the future. God, that we would be just as intentional in the future about building lifelong followers of Jesus as we have to this point. And I truly believe that not only is the best yet to come, but Lord, the best is here. And we give you the praise, the honor, the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 They said I had four minutes to speak this morning. <laughs> Thank you. 
And so I'm asking you over the next few days to keep those things in mind. We want to be faithful and we want to be unified. And I would encourage you to do two things. To pray a lot. And that literally is what it says in my notes. Pray a lot over these next few days. And I would encourage you, just like Teresa said, speak up and share the story of what God is doing in our church family. Because there are a lot of people in this community that do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. I don't know if you realize it or not, but there are over a million people that call Raleigh and surrounding areas a home. Over a million people. If you ride down Capitol Boulevard, you travel with most of them. <laughs> so we understand that. We, we say things all the time like, wow, it's growing. Traffic seems to be getting worse. It takes me forever to get anywhere. And we're complaining when we say those things. But do we recognize those are new families that are moving in all of the time? People who are literally dying to get into this place, right? And, and, and we have this wonderful opportunity to share the love of Jesus with them when they do. And in a city with over a million people, do you realize that on any given Sunday, there are not many more than about 250,000 people that are in local churches across this community? That's three quarters of a million people who are not walking in relationship with Jesus or in fellowship with the body of Christ. We have an incredible opportunity to do whatever it takes to be faithful to the mission. I don't know if you're following um, our social media posts about our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And every day, there's been a different scripture that's been sent out. Hopefully, many of you are reading those and you're praying through those things. Well, yesterday, um, I guess, uh, 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 is that day 20? The, the, no, 14? Math is so hard. But then there's one particular verse of scripture uh, that says this. Don't worry. There's nothing on me. No claim on me. This is Jesus speaking. But so the world might know how thoroughly I love the Father. I am carrying out my Father's instructions right down to the very last detail. And then this is what Jesus says. Get up. Let's go. It's time to leave here. That's powerful to me. Because isn't that what we're trying to accomplish? Not even the get up, let's go, it's time to leave here. I'm talking about I'm carrying out the Father's instructions right down to the very last detail. Isn't that what we want to accomplish as a church family and in, the, in our individual families and, and as individuals in this room? Like we want to take God's word and we want to carry it out to the very last detail. Now, I understand that often a person's most influential words are the last words that they will ever speak. And with Jesus, I don't think it was any different. And his final words we find in the verse of scripture that I ask you to turn to Acts chapter 1. And basically what we see here are literally the last words before Jesus ascends to sit at the right hand of the throne of God. And his last words were not only life-giving to his <coughs> followers that were there that day, but those words gave life and birth to the New Testament church. And I want to read those two. This is what he says. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses, and you will tell people about me everywhere, and you'll do that in Jerusalem, you'll do that throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then verse 9, it says, after saying this, he was taken up in a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. Verse 10, I'll keep reading. As they strained to see him rising into the heaven. 
Two white-robed men suddenly stood among them, and they said, This men of Galilee, why are you standing here in the heavens? Jesus, staring into the heavens. Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go. So can you see this moment that Jesus is talking to his disciples? He's talking to his followers. When the Holy Spirit, this gift that I'm giving you, comes upon you, you're going to be my witnesses, and you're going to tell people about me everywhere, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And when he got done speaking, then all of a sudden he ascends to the right hand of the throne of God. And I just see like everybody just standing there just and you think about what we do when we see things happen in the sky. You ever seen a hot, hot air balloon? Have you ever seen a hot air balloon driving down 540? And I can't believe there's not like a multi-car pilot every time I see this happen. Because everybody's just staring into the heavens. Can you just see Jesus ascending to the heavens? And here they are, just staring, just waiting. And all of a sudden, two angelic beings say, I don't know what you're doing standing here. Because I told you what to do. You could do it, right? You have an assignment from Jesus and that assignment gave birth to the New Testament church. Now, I don't know what comes to mind when you hear the word church, but it's probably very different than what they understood in the first century. Because for most of us, when we think about church, we think about a building. We think about a facility. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to stop by the church. I'm going to go to church on Sundays for worship. And so when we see the word church, or we think about the word church, or we hear the word church, we automatically think this facility that we sit in. But here's what I want you to see. The church is not a building. The church is a movement. And the movement is built around this conviction that Jesus died as the only Savior for sinners, and that he is risen from the dead, proving that he was who he said he was, that he was the rightful Lord of the earth, and all people everywhere needed to repent and were invited to come home to him. And those followers of Jesus, those disciples, gave their life, literally, for that movement. So I think as we move into this next season as a church, the question is, will we see the church as a place where we attend, or will we see the church as a movement that we get to be a part of in our city? I told you many of you have said some encouraging words. Jim Steichleather came across this on Facebook and shared it with me. This is what it says. I love it. I believe churches are meant for praising God. But so are 2 a.m. car rides, showers, coffee shops, the gym, not sure about that one, conversations with friends and strangers, etc. Don't let a building confine your faith because we will never change the world by just going to church. We will change the world when we just be the church. Amen. Body of Christ. And Jesus said, and when the Holy Spirit, this gift that I'm giving you, when my spirit comes upon you, then you're going to be my witnesses and you're going to tell about me everywhere. Now, here's two things that I want us to get. If you're a Bible note taker, I'll give you some things to write down. Here's the first important thing about the movement. The movement, the message, captured their hearts and minds. The question is, has it captured yours? Has it captured yours? See, Jesus wasn't just another prophet. 
heard another religious message. He was God himself. And I love this thought that he was on this rescue operation to save us. Because the disciples understood that if this were true, and, and that this was, this was really the only way to receive salvation, they recognized that Jesus dying on a cross was the greatest act of grace that they could ever imagine. We I mean, think about it. God the Creator dying for His rebellious children. And if, if it was in fact, if it was in fact true, then it was the most important message that was ever given. Because Jesus is our only hope for salvation. And if Jesus really is our only hope for salvation, then there are just not all these multiple ways to get to God. If there were other ways for salvation, if there were other ways for us to, to find salvation, then, then, then God would not have put his son on a cross for our sins. I mean, think about it. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane praying. And what did he pray? God, if there be any other way, if there be any other way, let this cup pass for me. What he was saying is the degree of difficulty here for me to pay the price for the penalty of your sin is pretty high. And he prayed with such intensity and such fervor in that moment that the Bible says that his drops of sweat became drops of blood. He was, he was praying with such intensity. That, that, that there was a thing happening in his body I don't know that any of us have ever seen or experienced. Why? Because this was a crazy thing to even think about. And if there would be any other way, then I think God would have given him another way. But instead, Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. And mine, if there had been another way, then God would have said, okay, 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 then you just be a good person and, and treat people with kindness and you're going to be good, right? Now, Jesus... Jesus said, I am the way, yes. I am the truth, and I am the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, there is salvation and no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. And those disciples would take that message all over the world. And so it really comes down to this question as we are lifelong followers of Jesus in 2019. Do you believe? Do you really believe it? And has this gospel message of Jesus dying for our sins and rising from the dead, sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf, whosoever will come and experience this incredible relationship with him can receive salvation, do you really believe that? And, and, and if so, has it captured your heart in such a way that you can't shut up? Are you willing to go anywhere with it? And are you willing to give up anything for it? See, that's the movement. I, I, I know we, we have some people that are passionate about things. And anytime you get around them, they're going to talk about what they're passionate about. And maybe they're sports fanatics, you know? Just patriot fans. I, sometimes they just don't see show up. It's like, good Lord. It's, I mean, when somebody, Carolina fans, it's like, good Lord. Oh, good gracious. You know, state fans were cool. <laughs> we're good, right? There's some things we get excited about, we just can't shut up. Some of you, people can't stop talking about their kids, their grandkids. Oh, my goodness, just can't shut up. Why? Because we're passionate about it. 
Chick-fil-A. And I talk about Chick-fil-A all the time. Why? Because I'm passionate about it. Can't shut up about it. It's good. Right? And now I've just really angered all of you because now you want it. You can't have it too. It's the worst thing in the world, right? We can't shut up about it. just giving them spiritual gifts. He empowered each of them to testify. I, I, I love this season of parenting. I, I do. I, I, I love the little guys, and I joke around about, about having another one. I, we don't need another one because we got like 48 around here that we can hold anytime we want and then give them back. And, and so that's the best way, right? I, I'm, and so I've got a son who's a sophomore and a daughter who's a freshman in college, and it's so cool to have conversations with them at this age. This is my favorite phase of parenting. And, and my daughter, people ask how she's doing all the time. Um, I have conversations with my daughter that I wouldn't expect to have with a, a freshman in college. You know, She called this week, and, and she was super excited, and this is what she said. She said, Dad, um, I just want you to know that I'm, I'm, I've been praying this morning for North Park and for this next season, and as I was praying, like I, just, I, I saw you like, just praying by yourself, and your hands were raised, and she said, and, and I saw as you were praying, like people just in masses from our church family just gathering around you corporately just seeking God's face and she said I just want you to know I believe God's reminding you that this vision that he's given you you're not doing this alone but the church family is with you and they are just as committed to reaching a city as you are wow okay <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was like, so how are your grades? You're like, it was so, it was weird, I'll be honest. It was a weird conversation for me. It's like, wow, I mean, it's, it's strange. My, my son, uh, he, he texts me and this week, I was like, hey, I got, a, I got a project. Can you help me with it? And so I was like, yeah. And, and so we sat down um, the other day while Marion was taking down Christmas decorations because we're that slack and we just took them down. And, and I, didn't wanna, I didn't wanna take down Christmas decorations, so I helped my son with his homework. And... And, and, and my son and I just had a conversation about, about the Bible, and, 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 and we talked about the fact that every person, whether you're, whether you're 12 or, or whether you're 82, I think we're all, we're all asking the same two questions. And the same two questions are, God, what is my purpose? Like, what do you really want from me? What do you want for me? What, what do you want me to do with this life that you've given me? And I think we're all asking that question. But I think the second part of that question is, is what we're all asking too. And that is, do I have what it takes? I mean, to truly pastor a city, to truly share my faith with somebody, to truly go after a dream that God's put in your heart, do we really have what it takes to accomplish the task that God has put before us? I think all of us struggle with that, but here we are, the, the disciples are given this incredible task to, to launch the New Testament church, to spread the gospel, to, to share the message of Jesus throughout the world, and I'm sure those people stood there thinking, do we have what it takes? 
And so God says, Jesus says, I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be empowered with the Spirit of God. And when you are empowered with the Spirit of God, you're going to have everything you need to accomplish what I've put in your spirit to accomplish. And here's what I want you to see. The Holy Spirit does a lot of things when we read the book of Luke and Acts. But the main thing he does is he empowers people to proclaim the word of God to other people. I had one person speak this over my life, that when God fills us here, okay, when there's a filling of his spirit in our lives, when we accept Christ in our heart, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. As we seek his face, we have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. When we have that, when he fills us here, it produces the word of God here. He gives us boldness to proclaim his word. Now, we're not going to put all these verses of scripture on the screen for you, and I'm not going to have time to dive into each of them. I'm not trying to, like, wow you with a bunch of scripture. I want you to see a common thread all throughout the word of God. In Luke 1, John the Baptist is filled with the spirit of God, and what does he do? He begins to proclaim the coming of the Lord. In Luke chapter 1, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. What does she do? She immediately proclaims blessing over Mary. In Luke 1, Zechariah. Zechariah is filled with the Spirit of God. He immediately begins to prophesy about the coming of the Lord. In Acts 2, the Holy Spirit fills the apostles at Pentecost, and they begin to declare God's praises in multiple languages that people didn't even know. Acts chapter 4, verse 8, Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he preaches, and 3,000 people are saved. In Acts chapter 4, the disciples are filled with the Spirit of God, and they speak the Word of God boldly in the face of persecution. In Acts 9, when Paul is filled with the Spirit of God, he immediately begins to proclaim the Word of God in the synagogues. What am I saying? After God's Spirit fills us, and He empowers us for His mission, then we have this boldness to proclaim God's word to the people that desperately need to hear this message of salvation. But there's something inside of us that fights against that. And it's and it's excuse. And we all seem to have one for why we don't do what it is that God has put in our heart to do. And here's what I want you all to see. Every one of you have a part to play. Every one of you have been created with purpose. Every one of you have a mission that God has put in your heart. And the only thing standing in the way of us living on mission are the excuses that we keep offering. Here's some of the excuses that we'll give. Raise your hand if this is your excuse. I'm just kidding. No, I'm, wouldn't it be horrible, right? You're the only one to raise your hand? That'd be bad. No, I'm not I'm kidding. Here's, here's one excuse. It's not my gift. That's just not my thing. Like, I, I do other things, but, um, yeah, I'm not really good at talking to people about my faith or sharing my story. So that's not really my gift. Sharing your story is not a spiritual gift. If you begin to study spiritual gifts, sharing your story is not one of them. Now, the gift of evangelism is, but he gives us all the command. All of us have the responsibility to share what Jesus has done in our lives. Some of us may be better at it than other people, but we all have the privilege to share what it is that Jesus has done for us. Because here's the thing, nobody else can do that. I can't share with somebody what Jesus is doing in your life. 
How strange would that be if I stepped up and said, hey, 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 I just got to tell you, God's doing some great things in Hunter. Let me tell you what God's doing in Hunter's life. Like, that would be strange, right? I can't tell you what God's doing in Hunter's life, but I can tell you what he's doing in mine. I can tell you what he's done in me. I can tell you what he's done in my heart. It's all our responsibility and privilege. Here's the second thing. I witness with my life. Okay, well, that's actually a good thing to do. Like, we should do that. But we can't always let our life do the talking. I, I know, I've, I've heard people say, share the love of Jesus with people and when necessary, use words. I, I completely get that, like 100%. We need to just like be an example. Just live this Christian life and let people see it. Let our life be a witness, yes. But doesn't scripture say also, like how are people gonna accept Christ unless they're told about him? If they don't hear the message, and how are they going to hear it unless they're told? So, so there's going to be a time, there's going to be a point where we have to have some courage and let the Holy Spirit empower us to open our mouths and explain to somebody why we live our lives the way that we do. When you look at my life, hopefully you see Jesus just coming out everywhere, right? Probably not a whole lot, but that's what we're going after, right? And, and there's a point where we, we want to explain to people why we make these choices that we do. And why this is important to us. Here's one that I think a lot of us would say, this is a good excuse, I just don't have time. I just don't have time. You're right, we don't have time because Jesus is coming back really soon. And time is the very thing we're running out of. And so I know when we say I don't have time, we mean, wow, we're busy and we got a lot of stuff and well, we got, we got dance and, and we got basketball and, and we got soccer and, and we've got work and we've got these things and we got all, all this stuff. I just, I, just don't have, I just don't have time. Do you know that the enemy of great things are good things? I'm not saying those things are bad, but some of those things may be standing in the way of you really being who God's called you to be. We gotta take the time. Here's a good one, it's weird. Right? This is a good excuse. It's just weird. I feel weird. Like when I have to talk about my faith, when I have to talk about that with other people, I just feel weird when I share my faith. That's an excuse that some of us would say. Help me out, North Park. If you call North Park home, you know the answer to this. Here's your pop quiz today. It's only weird because you don't do it enough. You don't do it enough. I'll be honest, yesterday, I'm, I'm sad that I'm telling you this, but I was riding down the road yesterday and I was praying. And it felt weird. Now, I know you're thinking, you don't pray? Yeah, I do pray. But yesterday, I just decided I'm gonna cut my radio off and I was going to pick up my son and I thought, I'm in the car for a good 15, 20 minutes. I'm just gonna film, I'm just gonna pray out loud. Like, just call upon Jesus for services and for this next season. And, and so I, I cut the radio off and, and, and I just began to pray, like, just like going after him. And, and as I was praying, I'm just being really vulnerable and honest with you, I kept thinking, this feels weird. And I thought, man, why does it feel weird to pray like this? I must not be doing that enough. If you're sharing your story or you're trying to reach out and share the love of Jesus, if you're trying to live on purpose and just be who God called you to be, if at any point any of that feels weird, it's because you're just not doing it enough. And here's the final one that I think we often say, I just don't have what it takes. And you're right, you don't, but he does. And he's gonna empower you with everything that you need to accomplish what he's put in your heart to do. You know, I, I, I don't think it's like a technique problem. I, I'm, not even, I, I'm not even sure what the problem is sometimes. I, I think some of it's a belief problem. I think some of it's an apathetic problem. 
we've got to recognize what it is that Jesus has called us to. You know, when I started thinking about this, man, 12 years, next, next Sunday, see, you might not even realize it, but next Sunday's not just going to Riverbend, but next Sunday is, is, uh, is, is an anniversary. We started our church the last Sunday of January in 2007. So you do the math, math is hard. So whatever that is, that's how many years we've been going. And, and, and so I kept thinking like, what do, what, what do I need to say? What do I need to preach? And been asking the Lord to give me direction on that. And I remembered the first sermon series I ever preached way back at Right Track Academy. It was called Back to the Future. And we looked back at the New Testament church in the book of Acts to learn what the Holy Spirit was doing in that church to prepare us for the future that God had called us to. And I thought, you know what? We need a Back to the Future too. Like we need to go back to the New Testament church. We need to see what it was God was doing and recognize that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same mission that he gave to them is the same mission that he's called us to, to build lifelong followers of Jesus. You know, when we were in Arkansas, um, I was a state youth director for the Church of God there and, and our family served there for two years. And I would go to different pastors in the area and I was just trying to learn and grow. And um, I didn't have a desire to plant a church. That wasn't something I... I ever wanted to do. In fact, my wife said she would never marry a preacher. And I said, I would never plan a church, you know? And so uh, we both missed that. But like, just be careful what you say you won't do. Um, but I met with this guy named Rod Loy, pastor of the North Little Rock First Assembly. And many of you have heard this story before because it was a defining moment in my life. And I met with this guy just to learn and grow. And I sat with him for an hour and I asked him all of these questions. And before we left, he, um, he said, okay, hold on. Before we leave, I want to ask you some questions. Have you ever been set up by the Holy Spirit? I was set up. God set me up this day. And he wanted to know about my journey. And so I told him about being a youth pastor and about working in the local church and, and, and having a youth center at the mall in Kinston, North Carolina, and all these cool things that God had done in the schools and just, just sharing all of those things and celebrating what God had done. And then I began talking about what I was doing in Arkansas as a state youth director. And, and I used these words. I said, I guess you could say I'm living my dream. I had always wanted to do what I'm doing now. I'm kind of living my dream. And he looked at me and, and, and his next question would define my life. He said, if you're living your dream, why are you so miserable? And I said, whoa, 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 buddy. I didn't say I'm miserable. I said, I'm living my dream. I just told you that. I didn't say I was miserable. He said, you didn't have to say it. Your faith said it. He said, when you talked about being a youth pastor and being in the local church, like you had this fire in your eye and you like had this passion that was burning in your heart. And he said, as soon as you started talking about what it is that you're doing now, it completely changed and went away. So why are you so miserable? And y'all, I broke down and wept in his vehicle. I'll never forget it. I just put my head down and I just started bawling. He literally called me out. And then he asked me this question. He said, if you could do anything for the next two years and not worry about how you're going to get paid to do it or worry about the finances for your family and all that stuff, if you could do anything you wanted for the next two years, what would you do? And for the first time in my life, the words came out of my mouth. I'd plant a church in Raleigh, North Carolina. I knew what it was. I knew that that was what God had put in my heart to do. I had just never spoken it with my mouth. And then this is what he said to me. He said, you don't have a calling issue. You know what you're called to do. You have a faith issue. You just don't trust God. 
I left that meeting that day and I went home and I walked into the church or the house that we lived in and I boldly proclaimed to my wife, we're moving to Raleigh and we're planting a church. And she said, no, we're not. No, come eat dinner. <laughs> so yeah, took her a while, you know, but here we are. So the words that Rod Loy spoke over my life that day that were so powerful, I wanna speak those words over your life today. It's not a calling issue. You know what you're called to do. Many of you have tried to say, you don't know. I don't know. I don't know what my purpose is. Yes, you do. And it burns in your heart every single day. It's not a calling issue. You know what you're called to do. It's a faith issue. You're just not trusting God. And as we often say in this room, and I will continue to say it no matter what room we meet in, he is a God who can always be trusted. You can trust him. Would you stand with me right now? And let's just pray. 